Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Yes, hello everybody. Tuesday, time for the first edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download the TabTouch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. In the studio with me, Glenn Quartermain, the man with incredibly small hands. Quarters, what jumped off the page at you this weekend. There was a bit. To oh, jump. there was. Well, there was I actually jumping. felt like it, you know, when, when I was a kid and I was getting a measles injection and I was just there's so much trepidation heading into it. And afterwards, I thought, that wasn't so bad after all. I thought this was going to be the Armageddon round of tipping. And it actually worked out okay. Most of the faves got up. I ended up with seven. And I think you might have got eight. Uh, well, I, the only one that I can be sure I got wrong was Fremantle. I went Fremantle against Carlton, mm. and with some confidence, I have to say, um, and they got absolutely walloped. So we'll start, let's start with West Coast Drought. We Breaker, should, we should. Um, against Essendon, uh, Josh Kennedy, the champion quality showing yep. through. Elliot Yo, uh, resurgent, off halfback. And Jermaine Jones, off halfback. Yeah. What else did you like about him? Oh, I think, look, it's hard to... How bad is Essendon, I suppose? So you've got to ask that question. Um, I think it was they've maintained their contest from the previous week against Geelong. I like that. But I really looked at that game and I came out of it thinking, Josh Kennedy, you know, what a champion. Not only, you know, the five goals, but the pack mark late. You know, everything to like about it. And you can see he's hurting. He's playing sore every week. Which most players probably do, but him particularly. He's sore than most. He's sore than most, <laughs> and just the effort, uh, just to to get himself to the contest late, just to frank the game and say, "No, nah, no, nah, nah, that's it, that's it." I just thought it was terrific. You know, I'm pleased for West Coast. It's good to have a win. You need one every now and then. I'm not sure how many more they're going to get. Yeah, I reckon they'll get a couple. Yeah. I, I think that I think the last quarter against Adelaide was almost the turning point. For them, and you could almost see we, we spoke about it at the time. There was the, like a flicker of belief from within the team, and I think it's been there ever since. Um, I love Yo off halfback. Now it's going to be interesting to see whether they can actually prepare Elliot Yo to get him back into the midfield because sometimes when you've had osteitis pubis as badly as he had it, sometimes you're never quite able to operate at the same level athletically. Mm. So therefore. Can they can they give him a midfielder's preparation? And if they can, certainly he will go back into the middle. But maybe he'll just be a halfback. It was an all-Australian halfback. And if you look at the champion data stats that dropped in my inbox this morning, since his return, metres gained, 575, marks 8.5 average, intercept marks 2.5 average. Elite, elite, elite. Yep. So... This is keep him there for the time being, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, maybe find some other options in the middle, but 
if he's happy at halfback, leave him at halfback. Well, they can get the boast of the best of both worlds out of this, can't they? With Yo, they can run him around and get footy into him, and and gradually reacclimatize him to the the grind of week in week out AFL. Let's face it, winning games is a bonus. It's not an absolute necessity for them. They're going to go out there and try and win. I hope every weekend, but you know they're not going to play finals, so therefore, um, winning games is not absolutely paramount. They can shift some younger players through the middle and, and see how they go and see if they can find some players. So really, this, when it comes to how they can use Yo, they're in a pretty good position, West Coast, now. They are. And uh, we should mention Cripps' game. Uh, maybe one of the most underrated players in the comp. Uh, it has been for some time. Jamie? Not yeah. over here, but I think we rate him here. But I don't think the rest of the country's caught up. Well, he's just such an enormous runner, isn't he? And, and So important to their forward line. Well, so important to their overall structure, I think. Because mm. he gets back and provides help for the defence. He provides a release player. And if the ball turns around pretty quickly, he's such a great surge runner. He can get out the back of the opposition defence and really stretch them and make it virtually impossible for them to set up a zone that stops West Coast ball movement because they've got this bloke just flying forward that has to be covered. Someone has to go with him. And uh, so he's a really important player to them. Interesting, the coaches votes in that game. Uh, Peter Wright got high votes. Mm. To me, Peter Wright, it could be argued Peter Wright cost Essendon the game, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. Well, he's kicked four. Missed. I didn't look. I didn't come out of that game thinking he's the best player on the ground. No, me neither. No, I, I, that, that surprised me. I mean, well, Josh Kennedy eight as well, eight votes. Closing it? the deal is part of it for a forward, isn't it? And hundred percent it and is. And Josh Kennedy did, and Peter Wright didn't. I mean, jo- Peter Wright was the more dominant player in terms of finding the ball, but Josh Kennedy kicked the goals, and Peter Wright missed goals he should have kicked. Yeah, look, I go back to. We'll talk about State of Origin later because I was at Origin the other night. But they don't miss. Now, okay, it's a conversion penalty kick. Your, your, your ball's on the ground. It's not a ball drop, etc. But they just never miss. And I think if you're a key forward and it's a set shot and it's a relatively easy one, you should be judged on that, harshly or otherwise. Yep. You, don't, you should not miss goals if that is your job to convert. And let's not forget the enormous amount of work that's gone into getting the ball in your hands. And it doesn't have to be pretty. Some of the most effective goal kickers. Jack Darling's a very good shot at goal. Yep. There's nothing pretty about Jack Darling's action. It's mechanical. Um, it's contrived. But at the end of the day, he does everything in straight lines, and he tends to kick pretty straight. He was among the coaches' votes as well. He got five. Yeah, I thought he was really important. I, I thought there was a couple of things in this game. Let's not forget Essendon won most of the key statistics in this game. So you would argue, okay, Essendon should have won the game. But... West Coast got way better bounce off halfback, and that's down to Yo mm. and Jones. Jermaine Jones, who took took the game on with great dare and gave their forwards really good looks. And it was also about Kennedy, Cripps, and Darling in attack, giving them something to kick at and good finish. Rioli was okay them. too. Rioli was very good, and that was both midfield and forward. Mm. Um, he was certainly one of their better players. So starting to build into something, and of course in the waffle, Nick Nat unscathed, and we'll play this week against Richmond. Well, yeah, They're going to need him, judging on their last effort against Richmond. Yeah, that's right. They've got a... 6,000-point loss. 109 points to make up, so <laughs> let's let's see how much... They're going to make up some of those points. I'm tipping that right now. Well, they're a better team now they than are. they were then, they are. aren't they? Yeah. Uh, what about your boys? Disappointing. Uh, they were disappointing. I thought Carlton were right on, and that was evident from the first five minutes. Fremantle looked a bit off and a bit fumbly. I have not seen many teams cop a bigger flogging 
around the middle. That was almost like the sort of floggings in the midfield West Coast were copping when they were down on the bones of their backside earlier in the season. And the remarkable thing for Fremantle was that they were still somehow in the game yeah. at three-quarter time. And I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that Alex Pearce in particular wasn't in the coaches' votes because I thought that given everything that transpired, Alex Pearce's game on Harry Mackay primarily – uh, him and Griffin Logue. Yeah, Logue was good with Kurnow too. I mean, he kicked four Kurnow, didn't he? Yeah. But it was still a good effort. But I can I can cop Logue not being in the vote. I thought Alex Pierce was yeah, one, I agree with of, that. one of the best five players in the And ground. the number of inside 50s, they were under the pump big time. And yeah. I thought they did. Re- and uh, the coach, Justin Longmuir, admitted as much. He said, thank goodness they were back there because uh, any other defence would have crumbled under the pressure. But they stood really, really tall. Um, what do you do with Sam Walsh? 40... An enormous amount of clearance. Well, for a start, they sent the heat to the wrong player. Yeah, to Cripps. So what they did, I think, is they formulated a strategy based on their success against Clayton Oliver when they played Melbourne. So Aish went to Oliver against Melbourne after halftime, closed him down. He's their primary big-bodied mid. Uh, they thought, let's go to the primary big-bodied mid, and Cripps got the attention. And Sam Walsh just went nuts, basically. And if you, this is why... You can't have Andrew Brayshaw anywhere near Fremantle's best in that game because basically the head-to-head is Walsh v Brayshaw. One's had 40 and one's had 27 and one's had 16 in one quarter. And that was when the game swung Mm. violently Carlton's way. So um, Walsh, best player on the ground by a margin. Yep. And um, Brayshaw, one of his poorer days for the year. Obviously, we're both in the grants with uh, Fife getting off. Yeah. Yeah. It was Uh, pushed onto him. He's not... He gets pushed. He's not looking at the umpire. Uh, you know, he's, he kind of puts his hand out to basically go, there's something there. I don't want to run into it, so I'm just going to put my hand yeah. out and stop myself from running into it. One thing I will say, though, Nathan, stop getting involved in skirmishes and go and get the footy, mate. You know, what was it? It's three a, weeks now? 11 disposals. Two weeks. Two. Is he back two? Yeah, of course, yeah. One in the waffle, the two bye, in the of AFL. Course, yeah. And I think Fremantle's challenge is to take David Mundy and Nathan Five and turn two... Very good players, one underdone because of Fife's prep and one who's near the end, and turn them into one weapon. I think that's what they've got to do. Um, Share time and just get a lot of power and explosiveness out of them when they're in there. They don't have to play big minutes. So they can't play at the same time in the middle? I wouldn't. So does does Mundy's role become a bit like Burgoyne's? Uh, Where you go in, break glass in case of an emergency, in he goes to the midfield for the stoppage, which he's good at, which he obviously is, cut his teeth on it. And so is that more his role? Probably. Probably. Mundy's definitely primary, primarily mid when he's on the field. But if, you, if you're talking about the big-bodied mids at Freo right now, and Brody's one, Fife's one, Mundy's one, when Fife came back, the thought was, okay, what does this mean for Will Brody? Well, the answer is Will Brody's number one. And right now, the other blokes are two and three. So you've got to manage them. And you've got to limit Monday's game time because assuming Fremantle get to September, they've probably still got to win three to get there. But assuming they get there, they want Monday in some sort of nick to have an impact when they get there. Um, that's what I'd say about that. And Fife, they just need to be patient with him, get quality rather than quantity minutes out of him, get him forward, get him having impact on games, try and get him past the yips, the goal-kicking yips, because that's what it's become with him, um, and see if they can turn him into a bit of a weapon offensively, because he's not great defensively. He never has been. So 
let's see if they can make him into an offensive weapon. Geelong v Richmond, uh, two great games at the weekend. Geelong v Richmond, um, Port v Suns. Chris Scott. Now, I'm going to have a crack here. I, I get the point. Tom Stewart. So he 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 states after the game, Richmond get no benefit if he's suspended. He knocked out Prestia. Prestia took no further part in the game. North get all the benefit next week. But I don't agree with the red card. So what's your point, Chris? What is your point? Unless it's a bit of a grandstand effort, you want to cushion the blow for your player. So I didn't like it. Didn't like it. Yeah, well, if the AFL Tribunal is fair dinkum, Tom Stewart gets minimum four. Yeah, I'd be happy with four. I think four's a fair chunk of your season. And don't forget, they looked a different side when he wasn't playing last year in the finals, yep. Tom Stewart. He's big for them. Yeah, He's I- almost a May for them. I, I think four. I think four would send the message, appropriate message out. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be unhappy with five, though. If he cops five for that, I'm not saying, oh, he's been hard done by. So character is important, but let's not forget there's a duty of care involved. It was late. It was head high. Prestia looked crook as a dog and was and took no further part. So I'm glad Richmond didn't complain either too, mate, by the way, because uh, I do remember uh, Trent Cochin and um, Dylan Shield in a preliminary final, which changed the course of the game. And Trent went on to play in a grand final the following week. So I'm glad they uh, just kept quiet about that one. Yeah, well, they do go pretty hard, the Tigers. Tom Lynch is not behind... No barn door when it comes to uh, dishing out a bit and a, and a few others, um, but look, you know, I didn't feel sorry for Tom Stewart because you've 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 created the action and um, you know, you and, know and there is a reaction and it's going to be you spending time away. You know who've created the action actually is the coaches. Now this doesn't excuse Tom Stewart. Tom Stewart chose to bump, hit him high, hurt him. Therefore, you cop what's coming. But. Um, and now I say that with a heavy heart because Tom Stewart's one of my favourite players. Yes, um, but. Coaches want players to block. And so Tom Stewart, the legitimate football action there was to jump in the air and try and intercept the ball. He wanted to stop Prestia running down the ground and being involved in further passages of play. He tried to execute the block. He got it wrong. Absolutely clipped him. Prestia's head snapped sideways. That's where the concussion comes. The rapid movement of the head and the brain shakes within the skull. And he was as sick as I've seen a player on the field for a long, long time. The sight of him clinging to the trainer was not a great look for footy. And you know what? The other thing that I reckon comes out of it from, you know, what the hell went wrong here, why wasn't the game stopped? You've got yeah, a, no, that was dreadful. You've got an incredibly sick player on that the That was ground. almost the worst thing out of it. Yep. Uh, very, very, very dangerous. I'm not sure why they didn't. You, you've got two vulnerable people. Yeah. You've got the trainer who's trying to hold him up. Because he was just hanging on to him. And you got Prestia as well. And the game's just going on around it. For goodness sake, people. Can can we not stop the game? Well, they do it in junior sport, Duff. What? They do it in junior sport. How footy. can we not stop the yeah, game? I don't know. They, they, they need a clip over that. Here's one from left field, and I'm not sure where I stand on it, but it's just worth raising. So I think Tom Stewart right now is the best defender in the comp. Yep. Should – so you can you win the Brownlow if you're suspended? Uh, no. So, should you be All-Australian if you're suspended? Yes. Okay. It's an interesting comment. All-Australian is debate. best, not best and fairest. Yep. Mm. Um, now, I think the the Brownlow is the umpire's award, and so therefore, um, yeah, we had people saying, oh, Tom Stewart shouldn't have got coaches' votes. 
because he you know had done that. Well, it took the ma- Henry took the match winning mark and kicked and goal, but he took the match winning mark in defence. The match saver, and he was also yeah match saving mark, but he was very good throughout. So yeah, yeah he's as you've rightly pointed out, he's an incredibly important player. Um, to them, and I'm re- going to be really interested now to see how Geelong go without him back there. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably shift Henry back, so he gives them some cover. That 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 sort of like hybrid defender. Um, Might get away with it this week. They got North. They do have a pretty useful player to come back over the next couple of weeks. P Dangerfield. Yeah, he's not going to slot into defence though. No, but he'll he'll give them midfield a bit of a tick <laughs> oh, along. Well, he will. Yes, if he's the player he was. <laughs> um, was that the game of the year? Yeah, it'd have to be close. I mean, every I mean, it was you know fingernail stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I tell you what, uh, Liam Baker didn't do his contract talks any harm either. Just quietly. No, no, I'd be he'd be uh, absolutely stunned if he doesn't stay there. Yeah, I think he'll stay. Important. Um, but the Eagles are into him. Eagles are into him. Fremantle to a lesser degree. I think Fremantle is waiting to see on other trade outcomes and you know who may be going, who may be coming. Um, but certainly West Coast um, have shown, I believe that apart from Luke Jackson, Liam Baker is the player they've shown most interest in. So if you ask me now, bet your life on whether he stays or goes, I say he stays um, at Richmond. But having said that, until they're signed, it's not certain. We talk about Tom Stewart being the best defender in the competition right now. The most important is probably Stephen May because... They just looked a different side, and so did Lever looked a different player. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Jake's not a great player, but he's a hell of a lot better player when Stephen May is in that defence. And um, him and Jack Viney, just Jack Viney's game, you know, one of the games of the year, individual games of the year, but uh, they just look a different side. Still a fair bit of dirty ball going inside 50, so and it was a pretty comprehensive win. And actually an indictment on Brisbane too at the G. But um, That's yeah. what I was going to ask you. Did that game say more about Melbourne resurging or did it say more about Brisbane not being where we thought they were? It said more about where Melbourne is at when, when Stephen May's not in the side. And it said a lot about Brisbane in big games because their effort against top four sides this year has been poor. And that's now become a real, that's a uh, howler monkey. It's not just a monkey. You know what a howler monkey is? What's a howler monkey? They live in the Amazon and you can hear them from 4Ks away. They're really loud. (laughs) (laughs) That is a howler monkey on Brisbane's back now. Right. Is that right? And Google it, people, if you don't believe me. Is that right up with a drop bear, is it? Oh, no. A howler monkey is real. Is a drop bear real? Well, it is when we we tell our friends from other countries it is. A drop bear. (laughs) Don't don't walk under that tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um... No, that is that is a real problem for them now. The MCG. Oh, I think I don't. I just don't think they're going that way. Yeah, I, yeah. Like I don't think it's just about the MCG. I, I think that um, right yeah, they're now they're still third. Yeah, I know, but they haven't beaten much, and they've been beaten by a few. Interesting Thursday against the Dogs. Yeah, but hello. Okay, let's get on to your boys. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that because I want to clip them. The near miss Hawks. Well, I want to clip them. It's not the near miss. Well, they have been until Friday night. Well, no, look, so he's, co- he's shown he's going to be a good coach, Sam Mitchell, but you'd cough up 13 goals in a row. It's not good enough, Duff. I was... I'm not... I'm not the golden boy, it's over. Golden? The honeymoon period is over. Okay. You'd cough up 13 goals on a regular basis and you see what the Hawthorne supporters think. It's not good enough. And yes, the clear, the difference in that was Libba and Bont got to work. 
Libba in particular, he's their most important player in terms of extracting and distributing, and Hawthorne's midfield had could do nothing about it. So big tick to them. But, Sam, what were you doing about Libba and Bont? So, you know. No, it's a good question. And... Let's face it, they came from well behind to nearly beat Carlton, but that means that at some stage Carlton had the same run mid-game as Hawthorne had at the end to nearly pinch the So at some point there's going to be some work on the defensive side of Hawthorne. But right now there's nothing. So come on. Yeah. We expect better from an AFL team than to cough up 13 successive goals. Not good enough. So obviously uh, Friday night was a doubleheader, so we were watching... Watching um, Hawthorne Western Bulldogs for a period, and then um, went to West Coast versus Essendon. I was watching the score mm. at the in the bottom right, yeah. and it was just going up by six. Mm. Western Bulldogs plus six, plus six, yeah. plus six. I'm yeah. going, what on yes, earth is y- going on? Yes, there? I know, Duff. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> it's okay. relentless. So we all talk about Geelong Richmond as the potentially the game of the year, right? There was a game played at Adelaide Oval on Sunday evening which featured two teams from outside of the top eight, which there haven't been many better games than Port v Gold Coast. Oh, cracking game. I mean, you could mount an argument this was the game of the Lead year. Lead changes galore. Oh, yeah, it was just great. And, you know, the Suns, again, lost no fans. I mean, they're... Do they play finals this year? Maybe at a stretch, but I still think the most likely of Richmond secured to come in, if any teams do. Um, Port, but I think Gold Coast, I'm pre- pretty well prepared to say that if everything goes okay, same trajectory, they're playing finals next year. Mm. No doubt. Yeah. Um, Ainsworth, tick. Uh, Rankine, tick again. Oh, I love Jared Witts. What a good player he is. How important is he to them? And let's not forget he was out last year. Who's the number one ruckman in the comp at the well, moment? Well, he's close. Don't mind Cameron, Collingwood, either. Yeah, Wits has been outstanding all year. I reckon if you had to draw a front runner up for the All-Australian Ruck berth, I reckon it's almost Wits ahead of Gorn yeah, now. Yeah. Don't forget Gorn's going to miss four weeks. Yeah. Gee, he's been good though, Gorn. We forget, you know, early, to, 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 until not too recently, he was pretty good, Gorn, and a fair way ahead. But yeah, look, I think Wits is definitely in the conversation. I'll tell you who you want to pencil in for a potential All-Australian ruck berth at some point in the future. Tom DeConning. Yeah. He was very good against Sean Darcy. All the DeConning boys go all right, don't they? They do. The family of 10. They probably had to fight for food at at tea time. Family of 10. It's a wonder if any food was cooked. (laughs) Luke Jackson also very good as the lead ruckman. He was. That was a good contest. 21 uh, disposals, a that goal. It was a pretty good contest, Yeah, I thought. Um, and we were talking about this last week. Here's your opportunity. Well, he stood up to the plate. Yep. I reckon he did. So, well done to Luke. Uh, we were no doubt the talent there. And we, I guess we've got to be patient with big fellas, don't we, sometimes? but Because we expect a bit more consistency. But that'll come. The opportunity was there and he seized it. So, well done to him. You mentioned Ainsworth. Yep. I... I didn't see him in the coaches. Very underrated game. I know he he missed a couple of shots on goal that had he kicked them, they win. So the coaches' votes were 10 to Connor Rosie. I'm not arguing with him. Yeah, he was an outstanding game. Took Miller, Todd Marshall, four or five goals from memory. Dan Houston, Jared Witts, of course, and uh, Mitch Georgiades. Yeah, I would have thought Ainsworth could find his way into those votes. I would have had Ainsworth well ahead of Georgiades. Yeah. 
I would have thought. Marshall's been significant, and what a season he's having. Yeah. Just an absolute breakout year. It'll be fascinating to see him up close um, this weekend when they play Fremantle here. But um, I think Ainsworth has be something. a bit tougher this week. Ainsworth had something like 12 score involvements. Yeah. You know? He's a player. Yeah. They've got a few of them. Yep. And King comes in next year. Yeah, well, he'll And help. they're going to hang on to their kids, which I'm delighted about because they've lost too many over the years. And good on Stuart. Do I've been a critic? And um, I didn't expect him to be there next year, but looks like he will be now. And um, good on them. And I expect them to play finals next year. Where are Port at re-finals? Oh, gee, I don't know. No man's land. Oh, they, look, if they hadn't coughed up the five, they'd be playing finals. Yeah. But that's just... So they're better than... Where did they go for the five weeks? They lost players. Let's not forget that. Yeah, but the effort wasn't there. Yeah, look. Oh, they did. Look, they, there's a fair bit of structure at both ends. All of that. The minute you get away from when you're minus three, four, or five of your best, it gets hard, doesn't it? Well, ask West Coast. Yeah, I mean, the problem with West Coast was not that they were losing; it was the way they were losing. Oh, they were a few down too, but yeah, I don't want to be give them too many outs. But um, yeah, look, I, I I don't know. I thought they were pretty pathetic early, port, but and they, and it's going to cost them. Yeah, probably. I, I think that they need everything going for them on the run home. So it saves Ken Hinckley? Uh, Is there any doubt about Ken Hinckley's involvement there? Not for me. Year? Not, not for now. Me. I wouldn't be letting Ken Hinckley walk out the door at this stage. Ten I'd, years he's been there. Yeah, I know. It's a long time. It, it, it's gone quickly, I reckon. It's a long time. But they've been in a couple of prelims. Yeah, they have. You know, like, people underestimate how hard these things are to get to. So... Um, now, pie, the Pies, we should mention the Pies. Um, they're just... Uh, and Nick Dacos. I think he's leading just about every category for the Rising Star. Yeah. Um, I think he might be number one in intercepts between the arcs, too, in the last month. He's a very good player. He's an exceptionally good player. Jeez, they've had some good father-sons at that footy club and have got some good father-sons there right now. Yeah, the boys down at Sleepy Hollow have done Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Just quietly. A- Ablett Hawkins. Hawkins. Um, Scarlet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they could pick an all-Australian team out of their father's sons, just about. They could. Um, uh, so, well done to the Pies, uh, sitting in seventh position. I think the draw's pretty good for them. They got, they got a tough trip this week, Gold Coast at Metricon, so, you know. Yeah, I'd expect Gold Coast to beat them there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that trip. Sure where I'm going there yet. I think that trip's going to get pretty tough. The only thing I reckon Collingwood's got going for them is that, or one of the major things they've got going for them, they play the Richmond style, don't they? Which is damp weather footy. If it gets dewy and damp, it sh- that shouldn't bother Collingwood too much. You know, you talk about McRae's role, I mean, and versus Sam Mitchell at Hawthorne. I saw these two teams in a pretty similar position at the start of the year, and one team's gone that way, one team's gone this way. Collingwood's managed to do it, and they've still a focus on defence. So it's not impossible to do with a relatively young group. Um, the other team we should mention... Oh, what about, um, before we move on, Jeff Brown? Well... Don't do anything Jordan DeGoe wouldn't do. <sighs> so is, is, is it... Should we just rename it Buffhead's Football I've Club? I've got to say, it's, like, it's, it's almost like a prerequisite to hold uh, that position so, as being a Buffhead. So at what point do you get up at the Club, club Championship Award, wasn't it? It was the it's AFLW. Oh, the AFL, AFLW, right. So what point do you get up and make that joke? And let's not forget, these were serious allegations against Jordan Ngoi in New York. Involving a woman. He, this, is, this will be a good idea. Let's make a bit of a joke about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, I just don't get why you would do that. Because you're a Buffett. 
ah, yeah. Just... <laughs> that's why. Like, that's, we can look for complicated explanations or we can just look for the most logical explanations. Jeff Brown might be a good bloke, might be a highly intelligent bloke. Eddie is. Eddie's not a bad person. Oh, he's a good fella and a good – yeah, no, I agree with that. Eddie's good company. You know, like, Eddie, if if you need a favour done, Eddie can do you a favour. Do all those things. But Eddie's a buffhead. And I suspect Jeff Brownies too. There was a great piece written about um, the Collingwood boardroom battle last year. I think it was someone at the age. It might have even been my mate, Jake Nile. He called it Spivs versus Suits. (laughs) 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 It was your classic Spivs. That would have gone down well. Yeah. And Jeff Brown was definitely a Spiv. Oh, no no question about that. (laughs) I don't know, mate. I just shake my head with that stuff. And now... uh, Does it filter through to the players? There's some... Collingwood players. So you got Dugowie. Yeah, I'm not you, sure. You got Quainer and Ginnivan. I mean, Ginnivan, please. I, I, I really need a time machine. Jack, go back to the 80s, get knocked out, find out what costs there are involved in being a smart aleck, come back and settle down a bit. Um, did you give, by the way, did you give Blakey a big tip did, this yeah. week? Yeah. So you've changed your tune. Nick Blakey. Yeah. You wanted to transport him back in the same time machine. Yeah, well, he's a bit the same, but he played well. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I'm I'm happy to recognise. He plays well most weeks. I've given Ginevan. I'm not quite ready to have him. So who's in there first, Blakey or Ginevan, in the time machine? Ginevan. Okay, who do you play them on? Uh, Ronnie Andrews. (laughs) Good luck. Oh, ouch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Ronnie Andrews, I think. Or Can you just imagine him walking up to Jack Ginevan, shaking his hand and saying, G'day, mate, good luck. <laughs> or, or Lethal Lee. Put him in the general vicinity of Lethal Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lethal wouldn't be playing in a back pocket. No, just... Half back. Yeah, I just put him in the general vicinity. Just general vicinity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> lethal. Um, no, Blakey was exceptional for um, Sydney on the weekend. Not... I heard people talking about him as an All-Australian. I'm not ready to say that. Um, he's a great ball user. He's a great runner. He does have a bit of swagger about him, uh, which enables him to use the ball with a fair bit of boldness. They were very good. And so what about St Kilda? St. Kilda? They're back in what the is... meaty point of well, mediocrity. They've probably got one more, one or two more A-graders than I gave them credit for, but there's still a lot of Bs in there. Yeah. And they're not worker Bs. Some of them aren't. No. No. But that's, I mean, you know, two six to three quarter time. Come on. Um, sorry, we got distracted. Going back to Collingwood, yeah. Taylor Adams, the hundred meter penalty. With there's about four minutes left. All you've got to do is be sensible. So he gives surprised up. Surprised with him. He gives up the fifty, and then thinks, "Stuff it! In for a penny, in for a pound. Mm. I'll have a go at the umpire." Automatic, next 50, off you go, all the way to the goal line. A bit, a bit of that the last few weeks, actually. We'll, there's an email about that later. We'll, we'll have a talk about that. But that's creeping back into the game. People talk about the rock star factor and it applies to Collingwood more than any other club. And it kind of, it's there with the players, isn't it? You know, they've always had, they had the Rat Pack, then they've had, you know, Dugowie and the issues with him. Um, even, I think Quainer. I'd be very surprised if you see Isaac Quainer mess up too many more times over the course of his career. I would be not at all surprised to see Jack Ginnivan mess <laughs> up more times over the course of his career. There'll be an awakening at some point. Um, well, I'm not sure there ever is at Collingwood. I'm, I'm really not. You know, 
I, I noticed that Nadine Rabar, who's a very strong person, very clever person, has gone there from the AFL. She'll be handling, handling their media from now on. So whether or not she will be given enough leeway to make a few points and drive home a few home truths, I don't know. Um, but there's just there's a bit too much rock star, not enough... Uh, Let's uh, let's keep it between the tram lines at Collingwood. No, never is, never is. Duff, I think it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Jack Daniels. We're giving away a ten pack of Old Number Seven whiskey and cola cans on Thursday. Now, I'm not sure. Did I mention Jack Daniels last week and call it bourbon? I just had a point, an email from our good friends Greg and Katie in Kentucky. Yeah, I, yeah, I know it's whiskey, but if I said it was bourbon, I apologise. I know bourbon's from Kentucky. By the time you got uh, onto the Jacks or the Jims or the Johnnies, it would be way too late in the night for you to tell bourbon from whiskey, from single malts, from double malts, from. <laughs> it would be. I'm not a big spirits man, though, normally, but I don't mind a bit of old Jack's number seven, I can tell you that. Okay. Uh, this one from Marie O'Reilly from Perth. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Why is it that the NRL state of origin is so successful and popular? as opposed to the AFL's appetite for the concept. I've heard so many non-NRL fans say they were blown away after attending a State of Origin game. 60K at Optus recently, uh, Sunday night, indicates its popularity and its importance in growing the game in a non-NRL state. Perhaps the AFL should be looking at how the NRL managed to make State of Origin work. I think it's a bit different. You've got... In the AFL state of origin, which clearly was the first, it was invented, the uh, Leon Larkins invented the concept over here. 1977. But I think with the AFL, you've got, you know, WA, SA, Vic, and a few other states, but really it's those three of the core. This is a bit different. You've got two states. You've got New South Wales and Queensland, and they, they this hatred is real. Make no mistake. Oh, duh. Uh, no, but it's been because of the way where it, it's history. Hello, my name is Glenn Smallhands Quatermain, and my special subject is it's the bleeding obvious. <laughs> but there's a lot of hatred that's manufactured, Duff. Or it, it used to be, but it's it's sort of gone. The rivalry isn't quite there. Maybe West Coast Essendon's a bit like that. But this is real. You know what I loved? I was there Sunday night. I, I do like my, um, my origin, my NRL. And... The atmosphere in the first half was as good as any I've encountered at an AFL game over here. The Queenslander chant in the first half when they were in the game was unbelievable. It was hairs up on the back of your neck stuff. And then in the second half when New South Wales got on top, the New South Wales, New South Wales chant was quite loud, and particularly when they scored. So, um, look, it's real. I just don't know... I think the advent of the national comp pretty well took the sting out of origin um, in the AFL. But let's not forget, in the NRL, the number one watched event, their marquee event is origin. It's not the grand final. The NRL grand final... What about test matches? Origin's bigger than test matches. What, kangaroos? Yeah. 100%. It's the number one marquee event for league in Australia. No question. So isn't that... Doesn't it just mean that they have the same issue as the AFL does it's just kind of one rung further up i mean the whole argument for state of origin at afl level is that we are denying ourselves the highest level of football we could watch but are we isn't test match rugby league the highest level of rugby league you can watch i'm not sure it is 
Or shouldn't it be? Because, in because, theory, shouldn't well, it because be? you've got the best players in Australia playing against each other, whereas perhaps, apart from the United Kingdom, uh, I'm not sure if you've got that every test match. I, I just, I think the best players on the park are there in origin, but not necessarily in a test match. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, you've just made the case for state of origin rugby because there's only two rivals. Well, you could argue that at international level, there's only really two rivals yeah. as well. Yeah. So therefore, why not an Ashes series, effectively? Which I is still don't reckon it would league. captivate as much as Origin. It's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? I donned the maroon at the weekend, Duff. Monday morning. Did you? Yeah, my second annual game of uh, well, not not annual, but uh, my second game of uh, Friends of Rugby League Touch Rugby. I was on the Queensland side. Who was coaching? Robbie Farrow was playing against against us. So I was playing against him. A few others, few celebrities there too. And um, uh, co- uh, the new Queensland coach was well, captain coach John Saxon, my mate from the NRL. Uh, Billy Moore. Now, Billy Moore, who was famous for he invented the Queenslander catch cry when he ran down the race against before an Origin game and basically signalled that anyone who came near him was just going to cop it, and they did. Um, well, he, he was playing, I was playing alongside him and got us in the uh, huddle for the half-time break and got the hands in the middle and gave us the big Queenslander call, and i tell you what, I was inspired. Where was this game played? This was on Optus Stadium. Really? How's yeah. the surface, by the way? Uh, softer than it was the last time I played in 2019. Good to hear. Good to hear. And um, I was actually impressed. It was pretty in pretty good nick. There's been a, quite a bit of traffic through it. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, we're on this big screen. All the action was up on the big screen. Did you have a look? We lost. Oh, yeah, had a look up. Mate, I've got to point out, though, I was the worst player out there by a mile. I'm not a touch rugby player. I cannot play the game. So I was running around like a headless chook. What position were you? Oh, don't even know. I wasn't dummy half. Put it that way. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to form part of the defensive wall, but doing it very badly. Uh, Mitch Hardy, who played a, a Wallabies game, scored a try. Uh, more of a union man than a league man, but ironically, he played for New South and won the Player of the Match for them. Um, and um, and they got up as they did in Origin the night before. And I was also impressed, mate. You know, when because we were in the Queensland rooms, um, so they've still got the lockers there. Uh, and which is the Fremantle rooms. Yep. So pretty impressed with the little theatreette there and the um, the spa, and didn't get to use any of that, of course. They're good change rooms, aren't they? Oh yeah, they are. At and I, I remember commenting, you know, I think we're so lucky. If you look at that stadium, and God is in the detail. So there's a lot of stadia. Just that there are, there are any construction projects, you run out of money, mm. and you see the little faults in the detail at the end when they just slap things up. Not in this stadium. No. We were very lucky we had the money to actually do it right, yep. and that is from the ground up. So there is nothing – there are really very few imperfections with that stadium. You know what they did? It's because they had the stadium task force in 2006, and obviously that was a carpenter government thing. They were basically going to build it at Kitchener Park, but all the stadium planning was done. So what do we want – you know, what standard do we want that facility to be? All that was done. Then Colin Barnett came along and said, well, I basically don't want to cut Alan Carpenter's ticker tape, so we're putting it in the WOW location on the Swan River. Great choice. Uh, um, but that planning was already done. You know that the budget for the actual construction of the stadium, not forget all the transport infrastructure, was about 950. I think it came in at about 953 million. So the, the cost blowouts were negligible. 
and they were able to keep it on budget, which means you're able to do everything you plan to do. You don't have to stop doing something because you're running out of money. You know what looked really good? I think it's – and I was talking to Michael Hussey, who was at the game. His manager was there, Neil Maxwell. I think he owns the rights to them. The goalposts that the, the were lighting up after a try, Yeah. as they do in the Big Bash wickets, why don't we do that in the AFL? Seriously, I reckon it looked great. It good looks question. really good. Good question. They're flashing up blue and they're flashing up maroon. Yeah. Why? Well, come on. Goal re- I tell you what, goal reviews are starting to annoy me. Oh, know. yeah. Like, you know, did it nick the inside of the post? I don't really care, to be honest. If you can't see it, I don't want Snicko, et cetera, et cetera, to find out whether it grazed the post or whatever. If there's no, if it's not enough for the umpire to see it, or there's a, there's not a clear deviation like there was when uh, Tom Hawkins clattered one into the post in the 09 grand final and got away with it, then just let's get on with it. You know, did it touch someone's finger, the end of someone's figure, 30 metres out before it crossed the line? Yeah, who cares? I don't care. I don't want the game interrupted. You know, there's enough interruptions to the game as it is. You know, let's just get on with it. Except that every now and again there'll be an exactitude. And there was a couple of weeks ago... An exactitude? Sorry, an inexact an inexact finding. Okay. I'm, I'm making up my own colloquialisms there. <laughs> um, there may have been a flaw in the system anyway when um, Nathan Broad gave it the jazz hands against Carlton and everyone assumed he touched the ball when maybe he didn't. So let's just get on with it. You know, I, I think there's too many interruptions. Do you reckon Steve Silvani would have liked the uh, goal review in the 1993 grand final? Probably would have. He touched it. What, what Great happened? goal to Michael Long, though. Um, just on state of origin. Yeah. So, and I apologise to this person if I'm saying her name wrong. Fremantle's decision to recruit Orla Lully as a rookie from Ireland. She's a star from Gaelic footy over there. I think that brings the number of Irish players in the AFLW to 20. And some of them are stars of the competition. Why don't we have a women's state of origin series to elevate the women's game even further, get the best players out there? Australia v. Ireland. No, no, no. States, but also plus Ireland. Let's have an Irish team in there. That's a good idea. And we may elevate overseas interest in that, which may generate some broadcast rights money for the women's game, which may make that game more financially sustainable and then enable us to pay the girls more and get them to a full-time status. I reckon that's got merit. What do you think? Very good idea. You're a smart man, Duff. Thank you. From Chris Lego, hi Duff and Quarters. Big show from Sydney here. Lots of talk about Jordan Ngoi in the last week and a lot of the comments referred to him as a superstar. Isn't this part of the problem? Perhaps if we start referring to these guys as footballers, they might take their responsibilities to football a bit more seriously instead of being caught up in the superstar world. Thoughts? Very good point. I don't like the term superstar. I use it very loosely. Champion's the other one. Doesn't apply to him. Doesn't apply to him. He's nowhere near. Someone mentioned him in the same breath as Dustin Martin. He's a star. His star qualities about him yeah, he's in terms star. of his on-field performances. But I don't think he is actually a star yet, Duff. I don't think he's in that bracket. Because he, what has he achieved in his life? Maybe third in a best and fairest. Sorry, or third in a leading goal kicker, and that's about it. He's a twinkling star. Yeah, well, 
Sometimes shining, well, lucky sometimes blinking. Needs to be careful or he'll be a supernova duff, a collapsing black hole. Right. Um, this one from... In Geordie's case, he might be a champagne supernova. He could be. Great band, Oasis. Um, Dale Shelton, I'm curious, why is everyone so obsessed with West Coast going after Luke Jackson and until recently Tim English? There is no point in the club spending big in both money and trade for a ruckman when the team is rebuilding and the players at his feet will be young and developing. Draft, draft, draft should be the policy. Save a bit of coin as the high-value contracts come to an end and when there is a team and English and or Jackson are up for free agency and in their prime, grab them. You'll have the coin there to lure them and it won't cost you in trade, Dale. So I wrote a column on Saturday about if you were West Coast and you could get one of Luke Jackson or Liam Baker, what each would cost and would Baker actually be a better bet for them at this stage than Luke Jackson? I reckon there's a case to argue that he would be because I think Tim English will come out of contract at the end of 2024 and I think Tim English will seriously consider coming home and I think he will seriously consider West Coast a better fit for him than Fremantle because if he goes to Fremantle, he's sharing ruck with Sean Darcy. If he goes to West Coast and Nick Natanui is gone, he's the number one ruckman. Um, and the other thing is that I suspect that if Luke Jackson re-signs at Melbourne, he will sign for three years. A bit like Tim English, a couple of years. So. So, so therefore, there'll be another ruck possibility for them either at the end of 2024 if he signs for two or the end of 2025 if he only signs for So it takes him to restricted free agency, as Tim English will be. I don't know whether it takes Luke through to restricted free agency, but you can still get him. Hmm. Um, there'll be the opportunity to get him. And... What does Luke Jackson cost West Coast in this year's trade period? Assuming he's not prepared to walk through the preseason draft, and I don't think he's the sort of player that would do that. I think that's a pretty ordinary act from a player, if a player chooses to do that. Assuming he doesn't want to do that, then Melbourne are going to want two first-round picks. Well, I don't think West Coast are going there. No. After Tim Kelly. So, therefore... I reckon Liam Baker costs one first-round pick. They have to take one first-round pick because they've traded too often in the past, and AFL rules say you've got to take two every four years. So therefore, let's say they have pick one or pick two. They could split that into probably one top ten pick and one just outside the top ten. One of those picks would get the Liam Baker trade done, and they could still have they get Liam Baker, they get another first-round pick, and then they have the two second-round picks that there's plus the one they got from Port Adelaide. I think that's a strong draft hand, and Liam Baker would bolster their midfield now. Now, of course, all this to all your Richmond supporters that are going to write in and go, you know, oh, what do you think he's going yeah, to Yeah, he's not going anywhere. We've, we've already said we think Liam Baker will stay. But hypothetically speaking, given that this is technically possible until he's signed, um, that is a better bet for West Coast, I reckon, than Luke Jackson. Uh, this one from Miles from Margaret River. A nice bit of alliteration there. I absolutely love the pub. Keep up the great work. Uh, I'm a mad Freo fan and really respect Duff's measured opinions and knowledge of our boys. There you go, Duff. I was looking at the results over the buy rounds and I feel that it tends to favour the teams that get to play another team who shared the same buy. Historically, it seems that a team coming off the buy has lost momentum from pre-buy and is at a disadvantage. I think a solution to this could be having all the teams off at the same time, then take the opportunity to highlight the best talent, here you go, Duff, in the AFLW by playing an AFLW State of Origin match. There you go. This is where your idea could come into play. It would be during the VFLW and WAFLW season, so I'd expect that the players would have a level of fitness and skill to put on a great spectacle. Uh, also, if you're ever down in Margaret River, feel free to look me up and join me for a beer at my little brewery. 
He doesn't mention what the brewery is, but anyway, thank you, Miles. We'll do that. Further correspondence required from yes, you, Miles. Please, Miles. Which us, brewery? Let is us it? know which brewery it is, and we'll be down there. If we're going to go miles and miles to see Miles, we want to know which miles to go. Oh yeah, like a rat up a drain pipe. We will be there. Don't worry. <laughs> or rats up a drain pipe. Um, uh, from Raoul. G'day Duffin Quarters, after watching the Frio Carlton game on the weekend, it appeared to me our midfield is one pace with both Mundy and Fife involved in the stoppages. It appeared they are both stuck in first gear with no explosion when moving the ball through the lines. Maybe Mundy should now become our specialist medical sub for the remaining games, like the Hawks did with Burgoyne, to enable us to bring a younger midfielder in to gain more variety around the stoppages, as I reckon that Brody, Fife, Mundy are all a bit the same. Very similar to what we were speaking about earlier. Mate. I don't think Brody's that slow, you know. Like, I think Brody's he's not a, an elite AFL runner, but he has got good explosive traits going away from stoppage. But I do think that when David Mundy and Nathan Fife are both in the Fremantle midfield, they are both. Nathan Fife is a good runner. He's not super quick, but he's a good runner. But right now he's not because he's underdone. Um, he's trying to find the speed of the game. That was a pretty hot game to come into for a bloke still trying to find the speed of the game. I, I still think that, there is one weapon to be had out of two players with Fife and Mundy, and that's the management battle for, for Justin Longmuir between now and the end of the year. Which is a nice segue into this one. Um, this is from Lydia Evans, a.k.a. Mrs Longmuir from Dianella. Um, do you think the following contributed to the Dockers losing? One, having to play at 9.45am Perth time. Two, having to face a high-intensity game right after a bye, i.e. Sarong managed one tackle. Three, Carlton had lost the week before, so were primed to respond. Four, Fife unable to differentiate umpires from players. Okay, maybe not the last one. <laughs> <laughs> very good email. But had, had the match review panel decided that Nathan Fife had the case to answer for pushing the umpire. He could have used that as a defence, couldn't he? I was having trouble deciding what were players and what was umpires. That was one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen. Kick it to the umpire in the forward pocket. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, because the trigger for that free kick is, is there a teammate in the immediate vicinity, even though it wasn't a deliberate out-of-bounds, it had to be called who deliberate out Who was the umpire in the 90s or maybe the zeros who actually marked it? Uh do you remember that? Cameron, Peter Cameron. It was, yeah. It was, but that's one of the remor- remarkable St. things. St Kilda versus Fremantle at Subiaco Oval. Yeah, whoops, sorry. Ball it up. <laughs> that, was, that was remarkable. Uh, this I like this one. This is from Jess O'Keefe. Um, the AFL has failed us. Several weeks ago, Brad Scott came out on behalf of the AFL and said, and I quote, there's no acceptable level of dissent. This crackdown along with arms out 50 was harsh but necessary and had a positive impact almost immediately. This was confirmed by a community umpire from Albany who wrote in a couple of weeks ago. Um, However, in every single game on the weekend, there was dissent, back chat and umpire appeals the likes we had not seen before the announcement. I watched the local under-15s team on the weekend and lo and behold, they were disrespectful towards the umpires. I spoke to the bloke waving the flags and he said it was really good for a month but has since crept back in. Sure, the umpire could have paid dissent free kicks but if it's not happening at the top level, what hope does he have? I agree with it creeping back in. I, it, I can't work out what they're doing because it, they have weeks where they're hard on it and weeks when they're not. What I can say from a junior level, I actually goal umpired at the weekend. I thought it was pretty good. There was no dissent that I could hear at all. So, But I think we need to be careful. Um, we need to send the message, and it, you've got to send it from the top. Couldn't agree more. And I, I, 
reckon that the AFL's been weak on this. And you know what? The media's got a lot to answer Just, for this. Yeah, but it's the in- carping and whinging from former players in the media about this, oh, what can they do? You know, it's so hard. Just accept it and what, put what, your hands in the air and stand on the mark. Should we, do we have to send AFL players back to school to learn the sort of things that primary school kids learn? Courtesy and manners. You know, like, give us a break. There was a reason why this rule was introduced. Was it hard on players? Yeah, but this is the AFL. This is not the Widgie Multha under-14s. It's supposed to be tough. That place again, Widgie Multha. I know. It's I've got to get there one day. Apparently, the, the roadhouse there does great chips. Does it? Apparently, apparently the best Most chips. Most roadhouses do good chips. Apparently, these chips are over and above. Okay. Yeah. So, where is it in the middle of nowhere? It's in between... Uh, I think it's between Kalgoorlie and Norseman. I've actually driven past it. It's not on the main road. It's kind of like just off a little bit. What's the worst food choice you've ever made at a roadhouse? Um, I, now I go, I, I do the um, ham, toasted ham and cheese sandwich all the time. It's a bit like a chicken parmy at the pub. You can't really fail. Yeah, and I, I used to be fairly bold around Chico Rolls. Oh, no, well. don't like Chico Rolls. Never have. You know the worst food choice I've made? It was at Cooper Pedy. Yeah. Can you get any more distant from the ocean in You Cooper went Pe- seafood at Cooper Pedy. Se- seafood pizza. You're lucky to be here. I was. And for about two days, I just sat there waiting. <laughs> you were lucky Nothing to happened. be here. <laughs> That's the most stupid food choice ever made by anyone in the history of mankind. Out of your words, not mine. Oh. Out of your mouth, not mine, Quarters. Sorry. Uh, this one from Tim from Armidale. Should a player who knocks an opponent out be allowed to continue to play and influence the result of the game? Why not have no sub, five on the bench, knock someone out carelessly or concuss them, then you don't play anymore that day. Both teams are now down one player. Look, I'm just, I'm not a million miles opposed to a red card. But I'm just not sure how we do it. I think the one thing Chris Scott said that made a lot of sense is if the umpire gets it wrong, that's a big advantage to the other team. Oh, you know what? Maybe I- you wait till the first break, you review it in the arc situation, and you can make your mind up there. I would argue that in a situation like that, the umpire, either the, ump- the officiating umpires or the emergency umpire, are in a position to notify Tom Stewart, you are under review. They go to the ARC, the ARC looks at the incident, and if they deem it um, an incident that where there is fault in the player being concussed out of the game, then Tom Stewart leaves the game as well. I think the ARC gives us the perfect mechanism to do this. You don't have to do it immediately. Basically, Tom Stewart gets notified, you are under review. Yeah, so the, the next break? No, no. Or even straight away? Straight away, as leave. the game's going on, the game continues... Um, so you wouldn't mind a red card in those circumstances? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm happy coming around card. to it. I just. It's. It's a big disadvantage to Richmond at the weekend, and it only happens if it's conclusive. Yeah. Well, and you would do. You would think they would do so if it was an arc situation. So you bring in an extra umpire. That's his job, or a, or three, maybe two or three of them. Yeah. And that's their job. I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Send your emails to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Have we got a clubhouse leader, you reckon, Quarters? Get someone else's hopes up before we dash them on Thursday. Well, yeah, we could do that. Um, gee, who is the clubhouse leader? Maybe the uh, level of descent. Maybe the... Um, gee, I'm not sure, mate. 
just having a look through these. Don't know, mate. We'll yeah. have to wait and see Thursday. Oh, I did like the level of descent one. I didn't mind the AFLW State of Origin one. Yes, because it's your idea. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that email was from me, by the way. <laughs> that, you just want the 10 can. <laughs> I do, I do. Number seven. I'm dying to try number seven. Actually, we were going to try number seven over the weekend, did we, you? Yeah, I didn't. No, I was um, I was at the uh, State of Origin. Yes. And uh, and I actually had Belmont races on Saturday. I had a very busy weekend. Did you? Hmm. Win or lose there? Ah, might have had a share in the quaddy. Well, look mm. at you go. Mm. Yeah, nice. Hallelujah. Mm. A bit of a roughie in the last two. Thank you. <laughs> Did you go for the roughie because of roughie? I didn't go for the roughie. Far more intelligent horse people than me picked, the, picked it. So, Thank you very much for joining us today on the Duff and Quarters podcast. We've been brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch can better their bet if they download the TabTouch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gamble's Help on 1800 858 858 if you run into any difficulties. We'll be back on Thursday to run the ruler over another AFL round. We hope you can join us then. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.